0: This morning, I have a question for you, and as I pose that question, I pull out my wallet. If you would like five dollars, just come up, it's right there. Deal is off the table. If you would like ten dollars, it's right there. Really? (laughs) There's no. I'm not gonna call you out. There's nothing. It's ten dollars. It's sitting. All you have to do is come up and get it. It's ten dollars. It's not a penny, right? Like pennies are worthless. My wife, we were driving in my car, and there's a whole bunch of pennies in my, my center console. And she goes, I can't believe you love to keep your car clean. And there's just all those junky pennies right there. I said, I hate them. Get rid of them. Take them. She wouldn't take them. <laughs> nobody wants a penny anymore. Apparently, nobody wants $10. Uh, there's no hooks. Here, $10. I'll Just it's right. I'll even bring it closer to you. $10. It's right there. If you want it. I think Janine's getting ready to move. (laughs) I'll take $10. What are you doing giving our money away? What's going on? Okay, my illustration is not going to work now that nobody will take the $10. This morning we're talking about money. Now my illustration works. Now my illustration works. Oh, Lord, you are so good. And now that's exactly what I prayed would happen. Thank you. If you missed it, he just put that in his own... No, he put it in the offering basket. Bruce, well done. Well done. Big shout out to our media team. This morning we're talking about money. Yay! Oh, it's so exciting. Here's the amazing thing. Here's what I get to tell all my pastor friends, all three of them, um, is that I actually announced ahead of time I'm going to speak on money. That is a surefire way to have you and your elders, the only ones attending church. And uh, and yet, it's Memorial Day weekend, and we're pretty full today. The boat's tipping a little bit to this side of the room, but that's okay. Um, and you all showed up. This is great. So let me let me say a few things, a few things to kind of get us going on the, on the right direction. Why am I speaking about this right now? Well, I have two freestyle messages, all right, and I knew this about late March, that we f- we're going to finish up the book of Colossians, and before I was leaving, um, I'd have two or three messages here. So what am I going to speak on? What am I going to talk about? Last week, we talked about the issue of faith and foolishness, and, and how does all that work? Um, and we had an epic long message, and I had the faith that you would stay through it, and you you did. So well done. This week will not be. Well, who knows? <laughs> who knows what'll happen? But then, so why speak on money? This is my last sermon until, uh, and, and then I'm I'm out of here. So why do money? Boy, that is not the. You're you're gone. And you just spoke on money. Well, most pastors would tell you they want you to make sure you still give even though I'm gone. So, uh, no, that is not why we're speaking on money. Here's why. I just started getting questions. People in our church just started asking me just different things over the span of probably about three months. And there's also challenges that we see as the elders in context to just life around us. And how much money becomes a challenge, right? Um, and so, if you've been here, I, this is the third time I've said this, if you've been here for a while, you know that I do not care about speaking about money. It doesn't cause me fear. Um, we're very plain and matter-of-fact about it because it is, we see it as a spiritual discipline. It's just like prayer. It's just like service. It's just like all these other aspects. Um, and Scripture has a lot to say about it. Um, I think pastors are really scared to talk about money because of the offenses and the abuses that have happened in churches. So if that's you today, you're sitting here and you're saying, oh, no, great. And, and you brought a friend, right? You brought a friend and that person hates it when people speak about money. You are know, like of all Sundays, pastor, it had to be this Sunday. Can I just encourage you? Relax. Just relax. I think I'm the only pastor on record that has told the congregation, if you need money, reach into the offering plate and grab it. Now we lock it up so you can't do that, but (laughs) isn't that convenient? But honestly, I've been getting questions, and so then as I brought some of that to the elders back in April, all of a sudden we realized, you know, maybe we should speak to this. And our church has changed a lot since last time I've spoken about this. Um, not only that, and, and here's the third reason that pushed me over the edge to, to use this Sunday to talk about it. Boy, we're coming to you and we're telling you we need to raise an extra 10000 above our normal giving for a sport court. I can tell you that there are some individuals that that's just, that drives them nuts. That just, you know, you're asking for money. And you know what? I know for a fact that those individuals have been hurt by other situations that they've been in. So that when anything starts to sniff or smell of that former situation they have a sensitivity to it the reality is when you think about a sports court you're looking at the vision of what can happen ministry wise Um, we had to build this building and so people had to raise money and it's paid off this church owes nothing for any of its property for any of its buildings Um, but there was a time where we had to build a building so that what you could sit here Um, so that's part of the functionality of what it means to be a church in the 21st century and I think a lot of people are really excited because we've raised $45,000 for this sport court are you kidding me? a church of 150 adults above and beyond our giving that's over a quarter of a million dollars annually have raised over $40,000 for a sport court you guys get the vision, you understand it you see why we're doing this but that whole idea, and whether it's lifetime, whether it's that, you know, we're asking for more money. And so I thought, you know what? It'd probably be really good for me to talk about money. Um, because I get sensitive about that myself. Why do we keep coming to people and asking for money? We don't want to take on that persona. and We want to talk about, you know, what can you do with the money that God has given to you? So let's let's move. Let's get through some of this stuff. I put up this slide last week. And For those of you that know me, you know that I love you too. But this is probably the fourth time in ten years I've ever quoted. Um, So I'm just re-quoting. I thought this was a tremendous quote by Bono. He says, With Christ we have access in a one-to-one relationship. For as in the Old Testament, it was more one of worship and awe, a vertical relationship. The New Testament, on the other hand, we look across at Jesus, who looks familiar, horizontal. The combination is what makes the cross. You know, there's such a fascinating thing about the incarnation of Christ. But when we talk about giving within the church, what is the word that we use for giving in the church? Come on, everybody on three. One, two, three. Tithing. Would you like me to explain the tithe today? And how... Somebody said no. Just no. Don't go there. All right. whoever said that, and I'm... I don't don't know who... I wasn't looking. I don't know who that was. You could just tune out on that part, okay? But I heard, I heard more yeses than I heard no. so we'll explain tithe, right? So look at the next statement. We are still in worship and awe. Don't misconstrue, and Bono wasn't saying we don't worship in awe. He's talking about the old covenant versus the new covenant. There's a lot to this, and we're going impa- to unpack it as we move through. We are still in worship and awe. We are in awe of Jesus taking human form so that what? Perfect would replace the imperfect. I really, really want you to remember that statement when we start talking about the T word, okay? And it finishes with this, a better covenant filled with the the dynamic of grace. This morning, I want you to hear this quote by Jim Elliot. It's very powerful. It's been hard for me. It's still hard for me to unpack in my mind. It's a really difficult syllogism to really understand what is it was that Mr. Elliot, and Jim Elliot was a great missionary who gave his life out on the field in Papua New Guinea. The, 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 um, the individual that the movie End of the Spear was, was written about. And he says this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Can I encourage you, that is how we should view money. And I'm not even talking about giving to the church. I'm just talking in general. This is how we should view money. This is one of the greatest, if if you're one of those people that operates by sound bites, write this down. I hope it's in your notes. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And really a a key verse here in context to all this is John 3.16. That God gave everything everything that we might experience grace that's where this new covenant starts to find its footings and its roots does that make sense to you that it's all about love it's all about devotion it's all about sacrifice and worship through giving is our response to that so let's unpack that so today's title is thanks be to god for his inexpressible gift this will be my title whenever i speak about giving from now on This is something I learned in restudying all this. And it's the last verse of the key passage today. So I want to emphasize this book. I encourage you. It's what we call a bathroom book. I won't explain why. All right? But there are principles in here by uh, Mr. Randy Alcorn, and his life backs up these principles. I encourage you to pick this up. We actually bought uh, a bunch of these books and used to give them away to our membership. And I went to look and see in our library if they were still there. They all got taken, which is great. So I I just really encourage you. The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. I'm only going to mention it. I'm not really going to uh, reference it today during our message. But a lot of what we're talking about is in this book. So turn in your scriptures this morning to 2 Corinthians 9. And we're going to read verses 12 (coughs) through 15. This is where we will start. This is kind of our main passage, but this isn't necessarily the only scripture. So please be marking things down in your sermon notes. May the word of God speak. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it also it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God by their approval of this service. They will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. Let me give you the context behind what's happening. Paul is talking to the church at Corinth about how they have gathered together out of their resources according to their ability and beyond their ability, we'll get into that in chapter 8, to get together an offering for Paul's ministry team. And so what's happening is that Paul is commending them on this, and he's saying by their approval of this service, in other words, this local church sees the approval of what is happening, uh, say, with what the Johnsons are doing in Birmingham, England, and so because of that, we want to partner with them. We want to help support it. We all need to be here. God's called us to be here. But God's asked them to go over where we wish we could be to take the gospel there. And so there's a unity in this scripture. Listen if you, if you don't hear it. It says they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the Gospel of Christ. Here's what Paul's saying. That this team will glorify God because you are partnering with them. You are helping them succeed. They could not do it without you. And why do you do this? Paul says, I recognize why you do this. You do it as a reaction or response to the Gospel and the power of the Gospel of Jesus Christ in your life. You are not under any compulsion to do this. I've not asked you to do this. But you heard of our need and you said we need to help them. And so out of your resources, according to what you have and beyond what you have, you have put together this love gift that is going to help carry the Gospel out there. And I know why you're doing it, church at Corinth. Because when the Gospel of Christ affected you, something changed. And you hold so deeply to that. And value that so deeply that you have chosen to support us in taking that message to those that need to see the change happen as well. And so what does Paul finish with? Praise be to God for this inexpressible gift. Now let me just clarify. When he's talking about gift the way that the tense of the Greek is, is he's not talking about the monetary gift, although you can read into that, there's implications of that, He's speaking about the inexpressible gift of Jesus and grace. But as he gives context to this financial gift that the church is giving, he's saying, isn't this an inexpressible gift? And what you have done in response to that is fantastic. It's beautiful. So thanks be to God. for." So this is where we start this morning. Let me just share with you why I did the, the $10. Money is influence. It just is. There's no getting around it. We know it. So this is the only section that is in context to just your general life and what do you do with money. Well, money is influence. Money will give you the power to have cable TV and you can turn on your TV tomorrow night at 6 o'clock and you can watch something. And that could be for the better or that could be for the worse. Many of us This light, how important is this light? Now some of you are here today for the first time, you're like, okay, all right, maybe it costs 10 bucks. Okay, big deal, it's a light, right, get over it, Pastor. This light represents a little girl named Riley who's in our Awana program that this past year heard the gospel, and she's heard it many times, but this time she responded. That life has changed. Because of your gifts, we're able to do an Awana program. We're able to do a lifetime, but we're able to do a youth program. Awkwardly enough, the elephant in the room, you're able to have a pastor. Right? Understand the influence of money. That we can buy things for ourselves that always wear out. My wife has a much better perspective on this than I do. Much better. She always does. And she just, I have kind of a love for eating food in places other than our house. And she just sees it as the biggest waste of money. And I see it as a contribution to our economy, (laughs) my health. Like, honey, I'm supporting so many people by doing this no that's not working you should see her face it's not working it's not getting any traction whatsoever but she's right the amount of money that i'll spend at starbucks over a month if i think about what i could do with that and now so i'm gonna to have to pray through that right now that i mentioned i'm gonna to have to think about it and you're all why did you go there pastor but for the better or for the worst do you see what we're talking about that money is not something that, in Americans, we just, you don't talk about your money. Let's play a game. Let's all talk about what we make. Ready? <laughs> right? We don't, we don't play that game in America. Most other countries, <laughs> it doesn't matter. But in America, we separate our money from God. We don't talk about it in those terms. And that has happened... Not because it's biblical instruction. Not because it's good for us. It's happened to the detriment of the joy of what God gives to us and how we can use that for His glory. And I'll give you a hint on that later on. Let's play the percentages. Should we give according to the... Oh, there it is, the T word. So let me guess. We're going to move through this fast now. Should we give according to the tithe? Well, it was an Old Testament pattern of giving. One of the only places you'll find this word tithe is in the Gospels or in the book of Hebrews. All right, in the Gospels, before Christ died on the cross, that's where you're going to see it. The book of Hebrews, everything that's talked about the tithe is there in context to the Old Covenant. And and we'll explain that a little bit more in a second. So what was the tithe? Well, 10% was required for personal righteousness and support of the temple. And that was through your resources. Some was a grain offering, some was a livestock offering, Offering um, It was from what you had that was valued that could give you financial gain. And so part of the, your sacrifice, and your sacrifice was how you atoned for your sin under the Old Covenant, was a participation and ceremony whereby God commanded, this is how you do it. That whole system is abolished. That system is abolished. Now, let's look at, at what was going on with all that. Leviticus 27:30. Every tithe of the land, whether the, of the seed or of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Understand that, that the Lord views this as something that is an act of holiness. It is something that is His. It is something that was required. Because God doesn't necessarily need your money. God didn't need their money. He didn't need their grains. He didn't need anything. What was going on there? God created a system whereby men could give acts of devotion and sacrifice to Him. That was the whole point of the Old Testament system. But understand that this was something that God took seriously. Proverbs 3, 9, "...honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce." It wasn't a system where the nation of Israel could say, well, you know, we got this, we got that, we've got this Memorial Day picnic coming up and we're going to have all these people, so we've got to do this. And that leaves us with uh, half an omer of grain. And so we're just going to give that. The idea was simply this, is that this is what we harvested. The very first thing we do is we take out what belongs to the Lord. And let me help you understand that in more tangible terms this morning. When you are giving a gift... That gift means so much more when you are working towards it, you are planning towards it, and you put energy, time, money into that gift. When you receive a gift and you know that someone has sacrificed to give you that gift, it means so much more, doesn't it? Get past the money and just start thinking in terms of devotion, whether it's the tithe or whether it's giving. This is simply an opportunity or exercise to use what God has given us to glorify and worship Him. That's what the treasure principle is all about. So, we see that God said, honor me with your first fruits. Don't give me the leftovers because I don't see that as honor. Right? It's like, you're going to make lunch and you give somebody two crusts. Really? Nobody? Are we doing... uh, Is it the depression generation that's out in front of me? What's... How many of you hate the crust at the end? The end pieces, right? The end pieces of the loaf of bread. I need to let go of this because none of you are responding to it. But, you know, if somebody here, you go to their house and you get some nice soft middle bread. And then the only one left are the two ends. Nobody's picking that up from the platter. Victoria, she's like, I got it. Okay, good for you, Victoria. All right. Now you're never going to look at bread the same way. So Malachi says this about God's attitude towards money. He says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how will we return? There you go. How will we return? God hypothetically inserts this question. How can we enter into good relationship with you. Again, the very first thing he goes to is this. Will man rob God? God has this expectation that part of our connection of worship is that we give from our resources and that is an act of devotion and God takes it personal. He says, look, if I put this requirement on you and then you show up and you say, I don't don't have it, I spent it over here. He actually uses the word rob. Will you rob God? And he says, yet yeah, you were robbing me, but you say, how we robbed you? And he says what? In your tithes and contributions. Let's play the percentages. Should we give according to the tithe? Old Testament pattern of giving, it was 10%. Well, let's talk about Jesus and tithing. Because there's a big argument out there, is tithing still active? Is it real? Is it how the church should look at things? Well, one of the first things you should do when you've got a question is say, what did... You guys are so sharp. You're on it this morning, yes. Bring out your '80s bracelets or '90s bracelets. What would Jesus do? And if you look at the Gospels, Jesus talks about the tithe in a very positive way. How do I know that? Let's look at this: Luke 11:42. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and neglect justice and the love of God. So what he's saying here is, stop tithing; it's pointless. When you're not focusing on justice and the love of God, right? That's what he's saying. Keep reading. These you ought to have done. You ought to have treated people with justice and love, right? These you ought to have done without neglecting the other. This is unequivocal support by Jesus Christ that there is an expectation of this act of worship through giving. And at that time, He had not yet died on the cross. We weren't in the new covenant. We weren't in the better covenant. And so He's affirming, because that was the system that was set up. Let's move on. So we're talking about a better covenant now. The tithe was under the old covenant, payment for temporary purity. We are under the new covenant now, and giving results from worship. Giving results from worship. So a better covenant, Hebrews 7, 18-19 I'm going to have it up on the screen, so we're jump, now we're jumping. Now we're all over the place. Just stay camped out in 2 Corinthians 9. This is what Hebrews says on the subject of, of tithing. Remember, it's referencing back to that old covenant. For on one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing what? Remember the quote on the opening slide. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. What is that better hope, my friends? It's grace. It's grace through Jesus Christ. So in essence, and I'll go out and let you know, well, you know what? It's coming up. It's coming up. That's called a teaser. Let's keep playing the percentages here, right? The tithe was under the old covenant. And part of their whole issue of of attaining personal righteousness in context to God had to do with the sacrifice, right? That's how they did it. So now we have this better covenant. It's requiring, required giving of a tenth is no longer leveraged. Well, pastor, how'd you just make that jump? There wasn't anything explicit in that Hebrews passage. Well, let me help you. Did it speak about the old covenant as something that is active or was imperfect and has been replaced spoke about it as imperfect and it's been replaced and replaced by Christ and grace and that happened at the moment of the cross now instead of having to go through a priest and go through the local temple what happens now we are we are the temple The church is the temple. The Holy Spirit is in this temple. Jesus Christ is our high priest. So there's a new covenant and it's one steeped in generosity, love and devotion. Where do I get that from? I get it from the cross. I get it from every action that Christ performed for you and I that we might have eternal life. It's an inexpressible gift. And because of that, Jesus is the motivation to give. Let's, let's see that. Let's break that down. So now we're back into 2 Corinthians. And again, remember this 2 Corinthians passage. Paul is speaking to a group of believers just like you that are giving according to their means to help support the work that Paul's doing, to take the gospel to change lives. And so he's talking in context to this. Let's look at this. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in, of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, in other words, they weren't doing well. They weren't loaded. Their 401k hadn't paid off yet. Nobody won the Roman lottery here. You got it? Because don't we say that? Like if God would just give me this, then I would start giving. Laughter is no indication of guilt. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of what money? Joy. Do you ever think that money can all be focused around joy? Sure, when it shows up in an envelope, on your doorstep. But I got to tell you, putting that five out didn't hurt putting the ten. There was a little something somewhere around maybe the spleen area that was bugging me. Right? Like, "Ah, I could do some. I got some things today. Ten dollars. We laugh, but I think there's some... I know myself. There's some veracity to that. For in severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have what? Overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. And here it is. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. In other words, nobody asked them. Nobody pushed them. They gave according to what they had. And they even gave more. They sacrificed in their giving. Did they say it was a burden to them? Did they say that they hated it? It says it was a joy. You see, this whole thing about money can be totally changed in our minds if this, the ether around us, doesn't dictate it, but God dictates it. And he says, <clears throat> begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Let's break this down. By the way, uh, what I say here? Whoa, I'm out of control. Well, these points were so good, I thought I'd hit them one more time. Okay. Wow, I really just blew that. Okay. I cannot emphasize how important this is to understand why we give. Ready? Here we go. Second Corinthians 8, 8-9. through nine. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich... Yet for your sake he became poor so that that you by his poverty might become what? Rich. Man, write that down. Not the whole thing, just the reference. Write that down. When it comes to this whole thing of worship through giving, that is it. We have the demonstration of the modeling of what it means to give by Jesus Christ. You see that in there? And then we see Paul recognizing their attitude of giving as a reciprocation, an extension of love for what was given to them. And that reciprocation is what's called worship. It's called devotion. It's called response. Because you value so deeply what made you rich. Understand that when we give, there's always a sacrifice and that's good. Otherwise, if there isn't something that that we feel loss, we can't relate to how Christ gave loss for us or took on loss for us. It's a whole new way of thinking about giving, isn't it? I have no idea how that got up there. It is the gift that keeps on giving, though. (laughs) I thought that one was going to go a lot better. As well. Um, Somebody asked me if I was going to speak about the game during the sermon. I said I would never do that. That's, you know, the sermon is sacred. So I really just want to talk about giving. These are two gentlemen that love to give. And give and give and give. And so I just want to let you know that tomorrow night I'm going out on a limb I'm giving without planning. Nobody in my house knows this. <laughs> so there is a viewing party at my house tomorrow night. I want you to know that I'm going to experience loss to give. I'm, I'm taking the scripture and I'm trying to utilize it. You need to bring your earplugs and something to eat. Bring a swimsuit. Here's a whole schedule. Prayer for the game is at 530. Those that like to pray for games... You can gather in a corner of the house at 5.30. My wife will lead that prayer group. Um, food prep and warm-up, um, we'll be doing that starting at 5.45. There will be a dribbling competition. It won't have anything to do with a ball. It'll have to do with drinking something. Uh, 5.55, you're going to fight for a good seat in the house. And then 6 o'clock, face paint and tip-off. Just want to let you know we want to give even at the point of maybe loss of blood. Um They gave according to their means. The church may not practice the tithe, but they gave to the Lord and ministry. So there I've said it. That the church did not practice tithe. Why am I saying that? Because 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 really are the sections that we see taught on giving. That when you go to Hebrews and you look at the word tithe and that 10%, it was a requirement of the Old covenant. So now what people tend to do is say, we're no longer under obligation. Yes, you're right. You're no longer under obligation to the imperfect. But guess what? The imperfect, with all of its imperfections, was replaced by the perfect. You were given something better. So maybe there's something we should think about when it comes to giving. You're under grace if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You're going to hear Scripture coming up where Paul talks about you are under no compulsion to give. There is no guilt. There is no requirement. That's why I say the essence of what the tithe was, it doesn't function that way anymore, so let's not call it the tithe. We also don't see percentages listed when Paul speaks about giving. He talks about they gave according to their what? (coughs) According to their means. And it also says that they gave beyond their means. And we'll put some feet to that in a minute. The church gave according to their means and beyond their means. See, I told you I would do it. So there it was. The church gave with a heart of generosity, thankfulness, and eagerness. Did you hear that in the passage I just read? Okay. So 2 Corinthians 9, 6-9 through gives an explanation to what giving should look like. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let me speak to this in a minute because there's some of you that know about prosperity gospel and how it has slammed this verse. This is a biblical concept. It truly does mean that if you sow, in other words, if you invest, if you give, and, and, and this concept isn't just regulated to money. This is just service. This is giving. This is actively involved in something. If you give of yourself, you're going to receive more back. If you give very little, whether it's service, whether it's worship, whether it's, whether it's giving... You're going to receive very little back. This is a biblical concept. Now, people have taken that concept. By the way, that that concept does not apply to here and now, I don't believe. There may be some some overspill to here and now. And my family has experienced that overspill when we practice generosity. But I think what he's talking about, and what Randy Alcorn would do with this verse in The Treasure Principle, is talk about long-term investment. That when it says you will be rich, it means that you see the long-term gain. You see building something that can never be taken away. Jim Elliott's quote. That when you take what God has given you and you say, I'm strategically going to work to take that and use it to help the kingdom grow, I'm thinking long-term. I'm thinking to things that are going to make me rich in joy by seeing lives change. That's the power of money. That's the power of money. And so he says this each one must give as he has decided in his heart. There it is. You will never hear this pastor say, you need to give a percentage, and you need to give every single Sunday, or you need to give every single month, and hear all your requirements. Because these words give an explanation that this is an act of worship just like we do with confession, just like we do with praise, just like we do with so many other parts of our worship. It comes from where? It comes from the heart. And so this extension, you have to consider and think through and prayerfully examine your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to inspire you. What should I do? What should I do when it comes to this area? This is the practice of giving through worship. And it says this. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or not under compulsion. In other words, being forced to give. For God loves a what? So when you put something in that basket, I want you just to laugh. No, don't laugh. People will look at you like you're nuts. But I don't ever want you to give and put something in that basket because you feel forced to do it. Or that that's pressure. By the way, that's why we took away passing the basket. Because we had heard that there was compulsion. That people, when they visited us, felt like if that basket's going by, I don't want people to look at me badly, and so I'm going to put something in there. Can we do something to offset that? Yeah, we can do it that way. So that's why we we made this shift. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Why would Paul write that? Because if I'm going to give my $10 to Bruce, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm not going to have something. I'm not going to have my Starbucks anymore. And then I won't be able to preach and that'll be bad. And I just spiritualize my own sin. Okay. But what happened? He took that money and he put it in the offering. So it's coming back to me anyway. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You see how giving works? That's fantastic. He and I did not talk before that illustration went out. But but Paul knew that we would struggle with the sacrifice. What do you think Jesus was thinking when he was in the garden? He said, Please take this from me. And then his next words were, Not my will, your will. And the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross and the scorning of the shame of the cross. He did that with joy. Paul knows it's going to be a sacrifice for us to give. So he says, let me remind you who your God is. He will take care of you. Just don't lose track of this. Because your worship will suffer. He says, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Let's wrap up with these three ideas. Convenience, compulsion, conviction. Let's just clarify, shall we? Giving is an act of worship. Let's think in concepts of inexpressible gift. The gift of grace wasn't out of convenience. It was out of what? It was out of love. The gift of grace wasn't forced. It was a free will choice out of what? Love. You're catching on. The gift of grace wasn't contrived. It was a choice of devoted love. Our practice at CBC. Well, giving is always an extension of of, of worship. We don't ever want to compulsory or, or guilt somebody into giving anything. Not towards any project, not towards the general giving. And, and let me just clarify that right now. That the members vote on our budget, our operating budget. And so it's very important that our members understand what is it that you voted on? What, what are all those numbers and what's going into all that so that we can do our ministries here? And when you vote for that budget you're voting to say, yes, I will support that budget. And so that's what our general giving does here. Now, as we take on other additional projects, we do so to try to be good stewards, but there will be those things that come along in our life during the year that we had no idea when we were making budget that these are special projects, and we hope that God blesses them and uses them. So we come to the people and we say, are you excited about this? Do you want to jump on this? And, and so out of the abundance or even out of sacrifice... We find another way to, to support that general thing so that this works. It's kind of like your family, right? You have your, your regular budget that takes care of your day-in, day-out stuff, but then you're like, we're going to raise some money to go to Disneyland because that's going to be something unique and special and great memories for our family, right? We treat giving and generosity as a spiritual discipline. We do not hide from talking about this area because there's no reason to hide Folks, people get offended when you talk about sin and needing to confess sin. So why would I be fearful about just talking about money? People are going to get offended about anything. I get offended about a bunch of stuff. I shouldn't, if I'm thinking straight, I shouldn't get all twisted. So we don't worry about that. What we do want to do is we want to teach how you grow in this area so that your worship is unimpeded. So that there's that joy Paul's talking about when it comes to your money. I think most of the time, because of our society and our culture, money is just seen so negatively. We never have enough, or it's frustrating, or you know, the economy's going down, and student loans are going up. And I need to pray about that one, because i got a kid going to college. But We expect our members to be active in supporting the work of the church. It's one of the things, that when you go through membership class, that you say you're devoted to this body, and to what we are doing. And so this is what we say be involved we can't we can't do these things that you want to see happen unless we get behind it and so we we hope and we pray that there is an effort of a spiritual discipline towards worship from our members that have said we're committed here and we're committed to this local body and what we do here Uh, we give praise for the generosity you hear me over and over let me let me throw it out right now Uh, the second sunday of may was the big was it the second sunday the $9,000? 3rd maybe. One of the Sundays in May, our general giving was over $9,000 in one Sunday. A oh, way it gets better. By the way, I, I don't say this thing to just say, yeah, oh, look at all, you know. I say this because this is worship. Because look at what God is doing. Now, somebody gave to that 9000 and they probably gave $3 dollars. I don't know. I don't know any of these numbers. Just relax, okay? I don't see any of the numbers. But God is pleased, and God is overwhelmed by the person that's giving three dollars as much as the person that maybe gave a thousand dollars. Because remember what Paul said to the Corinthian church in 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 Corinthians eight. He said, "According to their means, and then for some beyond those means, he is pleased, and it's an act of worship." nine thousand dollars on Sunday but wait it's an infomercial right there's more over twenty five hundred or about twenty five hundred came in for the sport court on that same day and I believe four forty five hundred dollars came in for lifetime in one Sunday I don't know I'm not good at math again but I think that's like thirty five thousand dollars In one Sunday. (laughs) This is why Ruth does the accounting. (laughs) We treat with high regard your participation with a godly strategy of long-term investment. What you do here in giving is investing in the kingdom. I'm going to close with this. This is our practice at CBC. Here's a a practical help. I, I just did this recently. I was asked by the elders, help us understand... Because now we're giving there, and, and there are some ways to um, to give. And, and I, remember, I remember growing up in a small Baptist church, the ripping of the, the check while the song is playing. <laughs> you, know, you all know what I'm talking about, right? And so what happens is we talk about in terms of that's such a worshipful moment. No, it's not. It's like... <laughs> you know, there should be a study, a sociological study on... The handwriting of the check versus your normal handwriting in a non-panic moment, right? But yet there's something that we have, we have kind of squeezed into that moment when that plate passes, that that's the act of worship. I get it. It's there. It's, it's, it's tangible. So let me help you. You may be mailing in your gift. You may be um, bringing your gift and putting in that box. Um whatever it looks like. Let's get beyond just giving here at church. Let's take this idea of the treasure principle that the money that God gives me I see as a gift from Him. It's His money. Now how are we going to manage that? And how can we make that have an impact on the kingdom and on heaven, long-term investing? So what I did was this. This is my bank card. Go ahead, take the numbers down. I'll give you the code on the back. There's not much there. Um... (laughs) I took a silver sharpie and I drew a cross and a dollar sign. So every time I take this out and put it into an ATM, which is easily five times a day, no, I'm just... It makes me think, whose money is this? How am I spending this? How am I giving? And that I have determined for myself, that is a way for me to worship. Worship to think about when we determine what our gift is for the church, in that moment we prayerfully offer that up to the Lord. Every time I'm pulling this out now, I'm thinking about what I'm giving to the Lord as a spiritual discipline for myself and asking the Lord to bless that. How do we manage our stuff? Um, I'll share that with you, not because I, I want you to do what we do. What did Scripture say? Each person should determine in their heart. But I'm just going to share with you, for a practical level, how, does, how can this place stay open? We give based off the imperfect. What? Pastor, what are you talking about? We give 10% to here. But that's just our starting point. Because we see that as the base, not the requirement. We see that as the base. And we know that that will be a constant and that's our, our devotion act of worship to this place. Now, beyond that, we support missionaries. We give to special projects here. Um, we will take certain portions and, um, you know, host parties. <laughs> I'm spiritualizing it, so I'm safe. Um, We'll, we'll do aspects of that that are above and beyond, right? That, that, that base. But we have said that we value what the church does because what the church does as a collective whole goes far beyond what we can do personally. That this place has organized missionaries that we're supporting. It has a place that we can run lifetime. It has a place that we can all gather as one voice and connect together. And so we see the value of supporting this place. And so we just start as that base and then we go from there as the Lord lays it on our heart. That's just our process. And we learn that from somebody else. What you walk away with today is this. The inexpressible gift is something that brings joy to your heart. So as we respond in our giving as an act of worship, Paul is saying, Christ is saying through Paul, Determine in your heart. Don't do it because pastor's telling you, hey, we have this project or we have this or we have that. Don't do it to try to compete with somebody else. Simply do it as an exercise of devotion and love because that's what scripture talks about. Alright? And there's a whole lot in there. But remember, in closing, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let's close in prayer today. Father, thank you for that which you give to us. There is so much that is challenging when it comes to our finances. We live in the, uh, I don't know if this is actually true, but it's been said so many times, we live in the richest nation in the world. Father, There is so much that happens because of the church giving. Lives are changed. Food is on tables. Rent is paid for people that struggle. Because we give, there is the opportunity for joy through worship. Not because of compulsion or guilt. And because we give, there is a long-term investment for the kingdom that makes it possible for lights to go on. Thank you, Father, for the blessedness of this local church. Use us for your glory. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.